Well, thank God for the good singing. Thank God for our graduates. Thank God for all of our young people. If you have your Bible, turn it right to the middle and you'll find Ecclesiastes. Good luck. (laughs) But there's a good chance you'll run into it. All right? The book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, is going to speak to us. He's going to speak to the young and to the old. And he's going to share a lot of wisdom. And he's going to outline how life passed him by. And what caused him to miss many opportunities and privileges to enjoy God. And this I want to address particularly to our graduates, to our young people. And I want to tell you a little bit about them as well. The first verse in our text, let's read it. Let me read. Beginning with verse 1, Ecclesiastes 12. If you have it, say amen. All right. Listen closely. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them, while the sun or the light, or the moon, or the stars, be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, And those that look out of the windows be darkened. And the doors, the double doors, remember that. The double doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. And he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high. And fear shall be in the way. And the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. And then he goes on and finishes with more uh, poetry, and then gets down to verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter of life. What is the bottom line of life? What is the most important thing in life that you ought to do? Fear God. Reverence God. Honor God.
and keep his commandments. Graduates, young and old, reverence God, fear God, and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Why is this so important? Why are we being admonished by Solomon to remember now? Why the urgency? Remember now. What, what, what's the purpose? What's the importance of fearing God, reverencing God, and obeying God? Because the day is coming for the old and the young alike. The day is coming when God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Can I tell you something? Everybody in life, if they've got any sense at all, they are afraid, even those that are the most holy, they are afraid of the judgment. But listen, if you fear God now and you keep his commandments now, you will have already bypassed the judgment because God saw in your life while you were here, you did the right thing and the judgment will not be a horror to you. Think about that. The first verse of our text starts out with a sense of urgency. Remember now thy creator. In America today, the urgency to remember God is more critical than ever. America is in a code blue status right now when it comes to our young generations. They are being led to the slaughter like lambs. Satan is targeting our youth because they are naive when they're young. They are vulnerable when they are young. They are easily impressed when they're young. And, and they are looking. They're pleading in America for role models to follow. And most of the institutions that surround them are spewing out filth and trash. And most of the role models... They're not here like they used to be 50, 100 years ago. And so our youth are left to fend for themselves, as it were. And they're left to try and figure out what's going on in a world that's being turned upside down. I mentioned to David Pound... I don't know if he's here this morning. He's a member of our congregation. I had his funeral Friday because his 24-year-old 24, 24 son, Sam, took his own life. I thought, and you know suicides are very difficult. But I said, Lord, give me something. Drive a nail in for I can, so I can hang a little hope on it for this family 
whose son took his own life. We can no longer say in America, everybody has a fair chance and boast the slogan, no child left behind. It is far from the truth in our country today. When many of our courts are legalizing sin and the masses are glorifying sin and our educators are teaching sin and our mediators and medias are advertising sin and our movies are showing sin and our music is singing sin and our attorney generals are not punishing sin and our entertainment industries are offering sin and our publishers are printing sin and our big tech giants uh, are luring millions into sin and our politicians are hiding sin and our preachers are not preaching against sin. Maybe that's why a hundred thousand of our youth die every year because of the drugs that are flowing into our country freely. Perhaps that's the reason why so many of our young people, ladies and men, are committing suicide. Why? Because sin is being laid at their feet every day. It's accessible. It's available. It's being celebrated. And you young people, in your naivety, you are the ones that are being targeted most. That's why the Bible says, remember now. You've got to meet God early or this world out here will eat you up alive. I mentioned during the revival on a Friday night that, and it was during the service, I was the chairman, Eric Patrick was preaching from Kentucky, and I made a comment, well, everybody knows that the election was stolen, and the big tech shut us off immediately. Freedom of speech is being flung to the wind. It's being taken away from us. Preachers are not going to be able to preach. Most of them are not going to be able to preach. But those who continue to preach, they're going to be challenged. They're going to be hunted. They're going to be disciplined. And their website gave the explanation why they shut us off. Because we're preaching disinformation. When the truth is, we're preaching God's eternal truth. When the truth is, we're not the one that are threatening our young generations. It's all the pornography and, and all the ungodliness that's on all of the technologies, the big techs in our country. Anything and everything ungodly is available to them. All they got to do is click a button and there it is. Hell has opened up unto their minds and hearts. 
And just maybe we can understand a little better why so many of the Sams of this world, that was that boy's name, the Sams of this sin-cursed world are committing suicide. And 100,000 of our young men and women are dying every year because drugs are being easily brought across our border. I told that funeral audience, is suicide a sin? Is suicide the unpardonable sin? You want to know the answer? Only God knows. Only God knows. Our kids are being tempted and deceived and trying all kinds of things to find happiness and throw their minds into hallucinations. They don't even know what, where they are. They don't even know what they're doing. The oppression, the depression, the depression, the oppression, the discouragement is so overwhelming. They don't even know what they're going to do when they're trying to kill themselves half the time. But listen, live stream audience, listen. All the technological geniuses, listen. Jesus had something to say that we all need to pay heed to. He said offenses will come. And my God, they're out there by the millions. But woe unto him by whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of my little ones. Are our little ones being offended? Yes, 60 million every year, 100,000 every year with drugs, with this, that, and the other. Our young people, graduates, listen to me. You're at an age where you're most vulnerable. And there are people out there who don't give a hoot about you or your soul or what your mother or your father tried to teach you. We need to get the Bible. We don't even know what the Bible is anymore in half this country. We have to get the Bible back into our schools and colleges and businesses of America because sin, Satan, sex, socialism, and slavery are destroying the moral fiber of our nation. Remember now, remember now who? Remember now thy creator. Young people, old alike, the first urgency in life is to remember God when you are young. Because the likelihood is if you keep going and you allow this world and the things of ungodliness to get into your head, you will not ever find God. When thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in my older days. The wise man is saying, if you pursue pleasure... And the man writing this is a man that had everything. 
700 wives. Can you hear me? A thousand concubines, boy toys. Can you hear me? All the material, all the power, all the wealth in the world. He had it all. And he still blew it. None of us are as great and as powerful as Solomon. The wise man is saying, if you pursue pleasure, if you pursue pleasure, the truth and the irony of it is that without God in your life, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, you will not find pleasure, but ultimately you will find misery. What happens when God is missing? You know what happens when God's not in your life? You keep searching. And you keep wandering. And you keep spending your substance in riotous living. And you keep looking. And you're looking for something that's called pleasure that you think will fill the void that's in your soul. And what you discover sooner or later, not only can you find pleasure, the devil has come up with another idea for you to enjoy pleasure. You can rent pleasure. You can go rafting. You can go mountain climbing. You can go to a ball game and watch the Reds lose again. Thank you, brethren. But not my Yankees. No hanky-panky. You can rent pleasure. The world's going to make it and the devil's going to make it easy for you to attain pleasure. You can go down in the red light districts and rent pleasure. You can go on the street corner and buy some drugs and rent pleasure. You can go anywhere and everywhere in this country and you can find all kinds of pleasure, and you can rent all kinds of pleasure, but none of it, none of it will ever satisfy your soul. Listen to me, young people. Let me get a little personal. That's my cue to come in. You don't grunt when you tie your shoelaces, do you, young people? Or get off of a toilet seat. You don't grunt. Y'all get the picture. It's a great visual for a Sunday morning. You have no idea, young people, graduates, who are the Arthur brothers, and they are just waiting till they get a chance to meet you. Arthritis, bursitis, 
laryngitis, tendonitis, flebitis. The challenge to remember now is you haven't lived long enough to have a guarded sense. And the challenge for you is that you're not going to pay attention to immortality. You're not going to be concerned about death. It's not an issue to you. Why? Because you can tie your shoelaces and jump off of the toilet. Because you got energy. Because you got strength. I love to watch the young people in our youth group. You know why? Because I know that they're going to live forever. But here's the point. Here's what Solomon's saying. Graduates, young people, older. Too often, the young overlook they're going to live forever. They look at the situation of immortality and life from the wrong perspective. You see, dying is a theological truth. But our young, they live it as a physical truth. I'm going to live forever. They don't even think about immortality. They don't even think about death. So they jump off of garages. And they jump off of railings. And I watch them when they're going up into the balcony and coming down. They jump over a whole fleet of steps. They fall off of their, skirts, their, their, their skateboards again and again and again. And they love pain. They're going to live forever. You know how I know? Because when I was your age, I was 13 years old once. And, and forget it. I don't want to give out too much information. But I was 13 years old once. I was a kid. And me and some of my other stupid friends walked across a bridge in Schenectady, New York, in which the Mohawk River flew, was, was flowing under. It had a strong current. And I don't know whether we were daring one another, but it was 30, 35 feet down to the water. Cars were passing and looking. Hey, you kids, get off that railing. Yeah. And so I thought, I can do this. Oh, I was smart back then. And I jumped off of that bridge, 30, 35, I don't know how many feet. 
And when I jumped, I thought, my God, I'm never going to hit the water. But when I hit the water, I saw the light from the top of the water, but then everything got dark. This is the honest God's truth. And I'm holding my breath. And I thought, okay. But I wasn't escaping the darkness of the water. And I was running out of air. I didn't have a lot of time to get to the top. And so when I was doing this, I kicked it into another gear. And only by the grace of God, kids, only by the grace of God did I come out alive. You're at the age. You're the prime target. You're the generation the devil wants. Because if he can get you and break the link, he's got everything coming after you. The best advice that anybody can give you is remember now thy creator in your youth. Why do you think why do you think now, at this age, I would never, ever, ever entertain such a stupid thought like jumping off of a bridge into the Mohawk River? You know why I won't do that? Because the other half of my brain finally caught up when I was 40 years old. It's a scientific fact. Your brain is not fully developed until you're a whopping old age of 25. Our youth go out, climb tables. I watch them swing on the swings. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, if, if something ever cuts loose, those kids are going so high, that, you know, on the swings, and if that thing ever cuts loose, they're going to take flight. And I see our youth out there on the grounds doing what they're doing, and I say to myself, are we insured for this? So that's why it's difficult to explain, young people, why you need to remember now thy creator in the days of your. Solomon is not saying what he's saying uh, to young people to be a killjoy or to make them mad. It's to bring us and you into a happier, more fulfilling life and to protect you. From the evil days, getting old and sin getting and starting to develop in your life 
It's to protect you from those days which you have no pleasure in. And the reason our text is focusing on the young is because of the damage and the regrets that you might incur in life. Let the word of God early in life, some of the best advice. Let the word of God early in life begin to develop your attitudes, your habits, your work ethic, your morals, your sense of right and wrong before the evil days come when you'll be like the rest of them out there calling good evil and evil good. You won't know what's right. You won't know what's up. You don't know anything. Now I want you to see real poetry in motion. I want you to put on your thinking caps. In verses 2 to 5, the wise man is encouraging us to give our hearts to God early while we are strong enough to enjoy God. Before we begin to decline through the aging process, listen to the poetic way that the Bible and Solomon describes getting old. Look at verse 3. Now listen carefully. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, who are the keepers of the house? They're your eyes. They keep you from running into things. They recognize danger. They don't jump off of bridges. The keepers of the house. What house? Your house. You with me, brother? Your house. I love this kid. I love them both. I love all three of them. You know why? They got hair. <laughs> I'm so jealous of you, I can't stand it. But the keepers of the house are your eyes. They see danger. They tell you to run. A truck's coming. A train's coming. A stop sign. They tell you what to do. They're protecting you're the house, the temple of the living God. Your body is the house. What else are keepers of the house? Go ahead and swing like you're going to hit me. Your hands are the keeper of the house. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Go ahead and try to stab me. Oh. My feet are the keepers of the house. Do you understand what the Bible is saying in this poetry in motion? It's beautiful, but it's wisdom. And it's wisdom for our youth, wisdom for our graduates. When the keepers of the house, let's read it. Keepers of the house shall tremble. Those sharp eyes of mine, those hands of mine, those feet of mine, they used to run like the deer. The day is coming when I can't get off the toilet seat. 
That's wisdom speaking. I didn't hear him, but it, the laugh sounded good. The grinders cease because they are few. These are the grinders. And those that look out of the windows, they begin to be darkened. And these are the windows of the soul, your eyes. But when the evil day comes, you may not even be able to read God's word. You may not be able to do much with your service to God. And so what happens, the eyes grow dim. And then verse 4, the doors being shut in the streets. Now listen, the double doors being shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. Let's read the verse. And the doors shall be shut in thy streets when the sound of the grinding is low. And he shall rise up at the voice of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. When you get old, things are going to settle. And the double doors, they speak of our double organs, our eyes, our ears, our two lips, and our senses. Smell this, that, and the other taste. And our double doors, which give us the ability to communicate with the world, they all start to slow down. They all start to grow weak and weary. What happens to older people? They go to bed early, but they wake up with the sounds and the noises of the birds. And he goes on and says in verse 5, and when they shall be afraid of that which is high. Did you ever see old people when they're walking? And I'm looking up. They're looking way down there. And the Bible says, let's read it in verse 5. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fears shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, what happens to the almond tree when it flourishes? It turns white as snow. And what happens when we age? Our hair turns white as snow. But half of us all have remedies for that. And the rest of us who have no hair, 
don't have a thing to worry about. Amen. And the grasshopper shall be a burden and desire shall fail. Desire shall fail. Stop and think about it. Old man, old woman. I don't even have to mention it, do I? Moving right along. And everything when you're old seems to be in your way. And God's saying to you, young man, young lady, graduates, remember now thy creator in your youth because the day's coming when your faculties, your double doors are going to shut down. Everything's going to start shutting down. You still with me? Look at verse 5. It makes it clear that there is an eternity out there. It makes it clear that death is not the final end. It makes it clear and shall be a burden and desire shall fail because man goes to his long home. The wise man is saying that when we leave this world, we're going into a world without end. Eternity. And God is waiting for every soul. And then verse 7 says, oh, this is so beautiful. Well, listen to this. Verse 6. And we go to our long home and the mourners go about the streets. Verse 6. And or ever, listen to these descriptions, or ever, the silver cord be loosed or the golden bowl is smashed or the pitcher is broken at the fountain or the wheel is broken at the cistern. What's it talking about? Those are just poetic ways to say you're going to croak one day. Then, look at verse 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. And the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. As it was, it was inanimate. It wasn't anything moving. It was just dirt. But our spirit's going to go back to the God who gave it alive.
And I like what he says. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. What's he saying? This body that we put so much focus on, so much emphasis on, do everything to put lipstick on the pig? It ain't worth nothing. Your body ain't worth nothing. It's going back to the dust and the dirt from whence it come. But your soul, which is more, more valuable than this whole world, is going back to God to live with him forever or without him. I'm just about there. What I want to say is that your body, young and old, your body is not a lifetime guarantee. Your body has no value. But your soul is worth more than this whole world. And death and old age is not the time to discover the awesomeness of God. It may be too late by then. Death is not the time to discover the awesomeness of God. Read verse 6. These are all expressions, I already told you, of death. Graduates, the bottom line is, enjoy life with God while you're young and while you got the strength to serve him. Now, verse 8 is where things get real serious. Solomon is saying one thing. Without God, no matter if you gain the whole world, it's all vanity. It hasn't done a thing for you. It hasn't helped you. This world hasn't helped you to prepare for God. It's conditioning you to be unprepared to meet God. Salem had everything the world could offer. And he never found that fulfilled life and that satisfied mind. If your desire in life is to get all of this world you can get and you forget God, you're going to come to the same conclusion that Solomon came to. What was the conclusion? Vanity of vanities. Fool of fools. And horror of horrors await you if you die without God. What a shock. All of that you accomplished and gained, not a bit of it is going to be any good. Solomon is saying, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then who is going to own everything that you have amassed? Everything you've got, every car, every bank account, whatever you've got out of material things, it's all going back in the box. 
and very soon going to melt into oblivion. Now look at verses 9 through 12. At the anguish of the preacher to warn souls not to forget God. It's a beautiful thing for a man when he comes into old age to have no more preparation to make. It's a wonderful moment when our old people who lose their cognizance, lose all their energy, lose all their strength, lose all their sharpness, but they took care of business and there's not anything they have to do to prepare. Just wait for that moment when their spirit goes back to the God who loves them. Now, this is a tough verse that I'm going to share with you. And I don't, don't want the devil to take advantage of you. I didn't have a lot of time to study, but listen to this. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, and you have no pleasure in them. Now, listen carefully. While the, listen to the lights, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. What a powerful verse. It is speaking of what happens in life when we, as parents, grandparents, don't seek God early and our consciences reproach us with regrets and heartbreaking sorrows, knowing that we were not our best examples for God and Christianity to our families who are the love and lights of our lives. The sun, the light, the moon, the stars, the kids that we love, they bring joy, those lights in our lives. But their lives start to darken. Because as parents and grandparents and preachers and priests, we didn't do a good enough job reminding them that there's an accountability, there's a judgment coming. And so how many parents look back with regrets and heartbreaking moments thinking of the time they told their own son, go F yourself, you're a SOB, you're nothing but a stinking B. And they remember all the things that they did and said and the ways that they didn't behave in a godly way. But the darkness fell on the ones, their lights, the ones they loved the most. And then he says, nor the clouds return. The clouds keep returning after the rain. When you think about things, you start crying. When you're reminded of how you treated 
people and how you may have treated your children and how you may not have set the right example, the rain starts coming out of your eyes and then after that, the clouds move in again with another regret, another conviction. I close. Then verses 13 and 14, you know what it says. We must not ignore God, but have reverence and fear for him. And the difference between reverence and religion. Religion says, don't worry, be happy. It sounds good. It may look good on a fortune cookie, but it doesn't work. Why? Because it doesn't stop the fountain of sin. We can do religious things all day long. Go to church, be baptized, dipped, sprinkled, or splattered. Serve God in tithe. But you don't really reverence or fear God. People like that need a new philosophy and the right religion. And Solomon tells us what the right religion is. Fear God. Reverence God. And when you fear God and when you reverence God, you're going to have enough brains and enough sense to abstain from all evil. That's real religion. A religion that works. A Holy Spirit inside of us that gives us power over sin, Satan, and the world. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink as you suppose, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost of God. It's the only thing that will take you through a lifetime and keep you happy and keep you right and keep you satisfied and keep you blessed. We can be religious all day. But until we fear God and reverence God enough to keep his commandments, we haven't found the right religion. And if we obey God's commands, our choice in life when you fear God and reverence God, somebody says, oh, it's, it's impossible. You, people are stupid. You can't, how can you live holy? Nobody can be perfect. You think you're holier than thou and all that garbage and all that ignorance and all that stupidity is what 70% of our nation is spewing out. But if we obey God's commandments, And fear God and reverence God. Our choice in life will be every day to abstain from evil. The essence of all truth, graduates, is to fear God, reverence God, and keep his commandments. And believe me when I tell you, Life doesn't get any better than that.
Amen? Would you like to stand? Sherm, shall we sing a song? God bless you, graduates. You've got a lot of challenges before you. But your biggest challenge is to remember God now. Remember God now while you're young. Because if that world gets a hook in your mouth, it's going to reel you in and fillet you and then eat you alive. God bless you as we sing. Maybe there's someone here who is not young, but you haven't really sought the Lord. You haven't really reverenced the Lord. You're old, but you're still doing things that will disqualify you from ever going to heaven. Young and old alike, if you need to pray, you come on down. If you're too frightened or ashamed to come down, pray in your seat. But pray, don't play. Really pray. And God can turn your life around right in the pew that you're standing. Let's sing. And congratulations, Shelley. 163. Congratulations, Madison. Don't be like pastor. Don't jump off any bridges. Be smart.